listening to the best of Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Be sure to catch our show live every Sunday on 1370 AM Austin. For information, archives, and upcoming presentations, visit our website at www.livingwealthyradio.com. They say exactly what I'm thinking. Talk 1370. Sunday, Austin. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn. Good afternoon. You are listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard every Sunday at noon here on Talk Radio, 1370 AM, streaming live at talk1370.com. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. If U.S. troops marched up to your door and demanded the surrender of your firearms, would you comply? If the federal government enacted a law requiring you to get microchipped, would you submit? What if the government said you had to pay more than half of your income in taxes or buy health care insurance through their system? At what point is enough enough? At what point do we say Simply no more. Is part of the secret to living free, which is the American way, supposedly, realizing that you can only be dominated when you are willing to be submissive? Our guest today, Michael Bednarik, is an author, constitutional scholar, former talk show host, lecturer, former political candidate in various races. He also ran for the presidency of the United States on a libertarian ticket in 2004 and also for Congress in 2006. And while on the campaign trail, Michael found time to write a book about the Constitution, one I highly recommend, Good to be King, the Foundations of Freedom. U.S. Congressman and presidential candidate Ron Paul, known for his integrity and independent views, uh, wrote the foreword, and uh, his most recent book, Secret to Sovereignty, How to Survive the Second American Revolution, uh, was written by Michael to teach people what is required on a practical level to begin the restoration of the great republic we thought could never end. Startling changes may be around the corner, and Michael would like to educate you on how to liberate yourself and prepare for the worst. Michael, thank you so much for joining us again today on Living Wealthy Radio. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, you, um, you, your information and your delivery has always fascinated me. You, you have the ability to communicate and articulate the vision of our founding fathers and what they secured for us in the Constitution. And it was my pleasure the day we met and I took your constitutional class with my family years ago and was just fascinated with your work ever since. So I appreciate you being on here. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what got you started and interested in in tackling what's now very controversial the Constitution, right? Um, parents were doing homeschooling before there was even such a phrase. We live very close to Chicago, and they took my brothers and I to all the museums in Chicago. They, We would go on vacation every summer, and they took us to 48 of the continental United States, 
We've seen most of the national parks. We've visited dozens of state capitals, and they just flooded us with information. And, you know, taught us how to do research. If you don't know something, you go to the library. You know, you look something up. Now we have the, the Internet. Well, I started on my crusade uh, back in 1982. My company sent me to Pennsylvania. They were paying all of my um, living expenses. They paid for my apartment or rental car, gave me money for food. And unfortunately, according to the IRS, whenever you are on temporary location for more than a year, it becomes, it's not a temporary location. And all of this per diem became taxable income. Well, I won't go into the details, but I had a very nasty encounter with the IRS. I ended up paying them a huge sum of money that I didn't anticipate, and I started to study the IRS, the 16th Amendment, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and I was stunned. I quickly came to the conclusion that most of what our government does is unconstitutional, and I was in denial. That couldn't possibly be true. I mean... If it were true, then we would have people rioting, you know, they'd be protesting in the streets, and none of that was happening. So I continued my research until I read um, G. Edward Griffin's book, Creature from Jekyll Island. And that book convinced me that I was wrong. The problem was much worse than I had imagined it. And from that moment on, I became a crusader for liberty and freedom. Um, you know, you, you can't watch something criminal like this and not get involved. Most guys that are listening, they're walking down the sidewalk and saw a woman being molested. It's just built into our DNA. We're protectors. We would jump in and, you know, make sure that the woman wasn't hurt. Women would be walking through a mall. They'll find a, a small child crying for their mother. They're going to stop. I mean, it's built into us to help people that need it. It's built into us that we're going to fix something when it's wrong. And when something is this wrong, this corrupt, this tyrannical, um, there's nothing I can do except work to teach people about the Constitution, teach them the difference between rights and privileges, and, and help them to see the, pa the path back to liberty and freedom but it comes from within us. You can't expect a criminal government to hand you freedom on a silver platter. Michael, you use a lot of fighting words. They're defensive words. I would really enjoy life if the government would go away, leave me alone, allow me to make money, allow me to, you know, increase my standard of living. You know, all I want the government to do is to leave me alone. Don't hurt me. Don't take my stuff. But everybody, you know, if I ask them, you know, you're imagine you're walking down a sidewalk and somebody comes up and they start to choke you. What are you going to do? Defend. Everybody gives me some level of resistance. They'll poke them in the eye, step on their foot. They're they're going to resist the attack so that they're not hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm doing. You know, if the government wasn't trying to take most of my wealth, if they weren't trying to turn me into a slave by insisting that I buy their insurance, their health insurance, or, you know, put an RFID chip under my skin, you know, trying to control my life and take my guns, then it wouldn't, I wouldn't have to resist as hard. 
I wouldn't have to defend myself if I wasn't under attack. And what disturbs people about my Constitution class is that I convince them that they are under attack, that the government is not doing things in their best interest. And it's, it's very disturbing for many of the students in my class. So what would our society, what would our life look like today if the government respected the Constitution? Well, the government itself would be extremely small. Um, it might even be a trivia question on radio programs as to what city is the you know federal government in. Um, the Constitution only lists 18 clauses which give the government any, any power at all. And anything the government is doing not listed in Article 1, Section 8 is, by definition, unconstitutional. We would have far fewer people who were dependent on the government. Um, we wouldn't have Social Security. We wouldn't have Medicare. We wouldn't have a lot of the tariffs and taxes that we currently have. People would have a lot more money. They would be a lot more prosperous. They could be a lot more generous and philanthropic because their standard of living was so high. The United States is still the greatest country in the world. But it's not because of our government. It is in spite of our government. Um, if you can win a 100-yard dash, you know, with a ball and chain on your ankle, imagine how fast you can run without that ball and chain. So most people don't realize how much of a deficit the government is on their way of life. So why so much talk about the Constitution if the government isn't respecting it? If we're not really living under the Constitution, if the United States government um, isn't really a republic, uh, what are we living under? What is this? Well, we live under a tyrannical dictatorship. Um, we, we live in a communist country. Uh, anybody who has my book, Good to be King, can go to Chapter 6, and I describe what communism is. And it turns out, much to most people's surprise, that all ten planks of the Communist Manifesto are living right now in the United States. That's how we operate this country. And people naturally are surprised. The reason for talking about the Constitution is because the Constitution has all of the principles, all the ideology we need to reacquire the type of country that we learned about in school. It will, if we can follow those principles, we'll be proud to wave the flag on the 4th of July. You know, we'll have money, we'll have freedom, but nothing happens without human thought preceding it. You can't build the Hoover Dam, you can't build the Golden Gate Bridge without lots and lots of people doing engineering drawings and figuring out what it's going to look like before they pour the first bucket of cement. So if you want to build freedom and liberty, you have to know the blueprint for it. You can also build tyranny by following certain principles. But if you don't understand the principles, it appears that it all just happens magically, that, you know, there was, you're not in control. Well, if you don't understand it, you are certainly not in control. 
but other people are. It is a mistake to assume that our people in government are uh, just short-sighted or maybe even stupid for not being able to understand it. it. They are not doing these things to you accidentally. They are doing these things to you deliberately, and they're able to get away with it because you don't understand the principles that would protect you from it. Can you briefly discuss those principles, just, you know, itemize for, for our listening audience who may check in and say, oh, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. There's no way we're living under dictatorship. Well, let's go, first of all, with the economy. Everybody is, you know, hurting financially. People can't afford to take vacations. Well, that's because our government is allowing the Federal Reserve to counterfeit our money at phenomenal rates. If, if you and I decided to print up $20 bills in my garage, we could, you know, rent a limo, go out for surf and turf. We could, you know, really, really enjoy the town until we get caught. And then we'll go to jail for counterfeiting even $10,000 because we're cheating the system. The Federal Reserve is not part of the federal government. You can look for it under the blue pages in the phone books if you still have one, but it's, the Federal Reserve is no more part of the government than the Federal Express. And they were unconstitutionally given a monopoly on counterfeiting our money. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 6 tells Congress that they have a responsibility to stop counterfeiting, not to give a, this private organization the presumed authority to do so. And they've been doing it for just short of 100 years. December 23rd will be the 100-year anniversary of the Federal Reserve. And if you and I go to jail for counterfeiting $10,000, what could happen to the people in the Federal Reserve who have counterfeited trillions, if not quadrillions of dollars? That's why all the prices are going up. That's why you can't afford food. That's why you can't afford a vacation. It's not accidental. It's been deliberate. And the idea, the simple idea that Congress should vote on whether or not to raise the debt ceiling is like pedophiles voting on whether they should lower the age to maybe 14. You know, how, how young can we brutalize these children? It's a ridiculous vote. It shouldn't even be considered. And yet here we are, we're watching the news, we're trying to decide whether or not Congress is going to raise the debt ceiling, I had to laugh. You know, it's like an alcoholic voting on whether or not he's going to buy another bottle. Of course he's going to buy another bottle. Of course Congress is going to raise the debt ceiling. I mean, it's all a charade for all those people that have never read and don't understand the Constitution. What are the other items? We have a military that's out of control. I mean, I do have personal friends in the military. I respect the military as a concept. But the Constitution allows us to do national defense, not international offense. If the Canadian Army came down into the United States to tell us how to spend our money and had their soldiers and army tanks in the streets, we would connect to you know, kick their maple leaf butts back to uh, north of the border. We would never tolerate that. Um, the only reason other countries tolerate it is because the United States spends 
as much or more on military defense than all of the other countries in the world. It, it, it's amazing to see how much money America spends on defense, and we send our soldiers not to protect liberty, not to, you know, keep people safe, but to control their oil, to dominate their opium fields. It's And the, the American people are paying for it. You know, we support our troops, which is a really great concept. I do support the troops. I just don't support the tyrannical Congress that sends them to 130 countries around the world. If they're supposed to, you know, be defending the United States, let's bring them home. Let them defend the United States. So um, just about everything the government does is unconstitutional. The Department of Education is unconstitutional. Government has no authority to control what our children learn. And that is plank number 10 of the Communist Manifesto. Why would a communist government want to control education? Because if you're you're an adult, you know, and somebody tries to take your money, you, well, could resist. Like, no, that's mine. But if we can indoctrinate children to think that they are supposed to be submissive to authority, supposed to listen to the teacher, supposed to listen to the police officer, you know, if somebody comes up with a badge or a uniform, you know, you're supposed to do whatever it is they tell you because the government is never wrong. Well, if we can train, if the government can train all of our children to do that, our children won't resist. We will, they will be slaves and not even know it. And in Cal, I thought it was only in California. I'm disturbed to realize that it's in most of the states. But California passed a law that makes it mandatory to teach socialism in school as if it were a legitimate form of government. I admit that socialism is a form of government, but it's not a legitimate form of government, certainly not in the United States. Socialism, socialism is a system where the government controls all the, you know, most of the property, and communism is a system where the government controls all of the property, including your body. You know, in, when I was growing up, I learned that in Russia, you don't pick uh, an occupation. You don't say, "I want to grow up to be an astronaut. I want to grow up to be a doctor." The, the government gives you an aptitude test. And the government tells you what you're going to be doing the rest of your life. Mm. You know, we need you to shovel coal. So, America is really, really close to that already. You know, people ask me why I dislike socialism. And I tell them to look at California. California is a perfect example. People are leaving California like rats leaving a sinking ship. The economy is bankrupt. You know, they're raising taxes to to new levels. You know, they're forcing, you know, the people with money to finance the the health, wealth, and well-being of all the people that don't have money. And then the government is doing wealth redistribution. And Winston Churchill once said that if you are 20 years old and you are not a socialist, you have no heart. However, if you're 40 years old and you're still a socialist, you have no brain. Mm-hmm. 
you know, socialism sounds wonderful. Everybody's going to have housing. Everybody's going to be educated. Everybody's going to have health care. It's going to be this wonderful, rosy picture. Life is just going to be heaven on earth. That's the advertising for socialism. And if you're 20 years old, I mean, who wouldn't want heaven on earth? Who wouldn't want everybody to be educated, everybody to have housing? That's a wonderful dream. But you can't have 20% of the people paying for it. And the idea is that once you get to be 40 years old and you're trying to earn a living, you're trying to pay for your own your children's education, and the government is taking half of what you got to pay for somebody else, all of a sudden you realize that the advertising for socialism leaves out all the bad parts. You know, you, you realize that it, socialism is a lot more invasive into your life. It's not, you know, the peaches and cream that, you know, the people who promote it, you know, tell you about it. No, you're you're absolutely right. It isn't. Just look at um well, like you said, California. Why why are people so many people leaving California at uh a very rapid rate, right? And where are they going to? They're going to the states that have less uh, less taxes, less state taxes or no state income tax. They're going to the states that have done very, very well economically, even though we're living in, in you know, some would say recession or depression period of time. And this, those states, what do they have going for them? They have an economic system that is less oppressive and less regulated. What a surprise. You know, the political system we've all put so much trust in has failed us time and time again. Uh it might be time to take control of our freedom, take it back. And our guest today, Michael Bednarik, will discuss this with us as soon as we come back from a quick break. This is Teresa Kuhn with Living Wealthy Radio. Welcome back, Austin, to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. If you're just now joining us, we're speaking with author and constitutional scholar Michael Bednarik about the fundamental problems of our political system and how to be sovereign and free. Recent events have certainly shown that the American economy is in trouble. People are fed up with the tax and spend system and are becoming awake to really how our government is operating and this whole dream of us living under a constitutional republic is really a dream and not reality. Michael, when I first discovered this and... G. Edward Griffin, Creature from Jekyll Isle, was the book that did it for me almost 18 years ago. And I became very depressed. I had to go through a mourning process. Uh, I didn't want to believe that what I had learned in finance school and in law school about how our money system worked, how the government worked, was a big fat lie. But over time, uh, as I grieved, I came to the realization that, you know, so much of how we understand government to be really is rhetoric. It's not reality. It's tough. It's not, it's not reality. And the depression that you go through is very, very common. Uh, many of the people that take my class are in stunned disbelief. And I apologize for doing it to them in an eight-hour 
session. But it's much like discovering that you are, you know, you're 40 years old and you think that you've got everything under control and then you discover that you are adopted. All the things that you thought about your life are potentially not true. And, I mean, it would be uh, quite a shock, I imagine, to, to discover that, you know, the people you thought were mom and dad were not their own biological parents. Um, but as you say, there is a process, and eventually you realize that it doesn't matter whether, you know, these parents were biological parents or not. You have your own history. You've learned things. You've accomplished stuff. And that part doesn't change. But it does make you wary. It changes your whole paradigm. And, you know, the only way to be happy right now is to ignore reality, ignore the fact that there, is, there are economic problems, ignore the fact that our electoral process doesn't really work, and, you know, just pretend that the people in Washington are doing things in your best interest. You're going to have to lie to yourself in order to be happy. Because once you learn the truth, once you learn that the people in Washington are not accidentally destroying your life, they're, they are doing it on purpose, that you know, our financial system is about to collapse. And I mean, look at the students who have gotten out of college. Many people can't get jobs, you know, even with a master's degree, and they've got $100,000, $150,000 worth of um, student loan debt that they have to pay back, and they can't even get a job at McDonald's. I mean, they were living under this premise that they would invest in their education, and then they'd be able to, you know, rise to the top, you know, with all of this, you know, information to really become part of the, you know, the corporate structure. And it was a lie. It hurts when you find out after the fact, when you're sitting there looking at over $100,000 worth of student debt, you know, you realize you could have, you know, gone down the street, started working at the mechanic shop, and by now you'd be making quite a bit of money, and you'd have been a lot better off without the college degree. But, you know, it's hard to see into the future. In many cases, it's impossible. But when we look back at the things that have happened, we go, wow, gosh, I wish somebody had told me. Well, a lot of people are. We have lots of people giving us the truth. Um, sheriff Richard Mack is teaching us that the county sheriff is the highest authority in the county. Most people don't know that, including most of the sheriffs. We've got Peter Schiff explaining that there's going to be a real crash, but the economy is going to get worse. Uh, that's not information that anybody really wants to hear. But you have people out there who are offering you information. They are offering you the truth. And it's very difficult to let go of the lies that we've grown so comfortable with and, and accept a completely different uh, point of view. But that's what needs to happen if you are planning to survive into the future. You know, one of the questions that comes up on a regular basis um, to those who are trying to process uh, the truth is, you know, why? What's in it for Congress? What's in it for those that 
are on purpose trying to destroy our country and our economy. Well, wealth and superficial happiness for them, the members of Congress were supposed to be there kind of voluntarily for maybe one or two terms of office. Being a member of Congress was never supposed to be a lifetime process. They get paid, I think, $180,000 a year, and that doesn't include all of the speaking fees they get. Uh, and members of Congress are given 100% of their uh, retirement when they've worked for four years. You spend four years in Congress, you continue to get paid the full $180,000 the rest of your life, even when you are no longer in office. Uh, nice deal. Congress nice retirement plan. It's a great retirement plan. Not only that, Congress can vote to give themselves a raise, um, which is really nice. I'd love to be able to do that, just give myself a you know, really clean uh, review. I was wonderful. I worked hard, and I deserve a 15 20% raise. Um, we can't do that, but Congress can. And when you start to study, you discover that many of the laws that are enacted on us, Congress is exempt from. You know, you is this for their are, lifetime? Yeah. You and I are required to have Social Security. If Social Security was so great, why are members of Congress using a completely different system than we are? You know, if gun control is so wonderful, why are members of Congress exempt from any of the gun control laws? I mean, some of the, the biggest anti-gun members of Congress have concealed carry permits. Why? Well, I guess being a member of Congress is really dangerous when you're taking away the money and the rights from the people. You know, once the people find out, you know, they may revolt a little bit. And that's the stage that we're in right now. People are finding out. Um, more and more people are listening to Alex Jones. When I first started, Alex Jones seemed to be just incredibly bombastic. People would say that he was over the top, and they didn't believe him. And now, after many years, people are beginning to realize that most of what Alex has been telling us has been true all along. And there is this growing understanding, this growing uneasiness within the population that, you know, this is just not quite right. That, you know, the economy is not good. Congress is clearly, you know, incapable of doing anything about it. Uh, there are a lot more people who are aware that the Federal Reserve has been counterfeiting our money. And I don't know if it is true, but I am told there is a movement where the United States dollar is going to change and it is going to be partially gold-backed. And then there's going to be another step where it's eventually uh, backed by gold 100%. Most people don't get information outside the United States, and there are several countries that are getting ready to re-denominate their money in, in gold-based currency. And when other countries start to do that, the United States is going to be forced to do it or we, we lose the economic game. What countries are those? I, I don't have a list of them. There, are, uh, there is a, a subset 
called BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, which I believe stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And they are tired of being manipulated by the, the United States petrodollar. After World War II, the United States dollar became the world currency. Basically, all of the other countries in the world agreed to use the United States dollar. And, you know, that's why you could spend U.S. dollars anywhere in the world. Well, eventually people started not liking the dollar because the Federal Reserve was printing too many of them. And so what we did is we sent military to the Middle East and we demanded that they only sell oil for U.S. dollars. Now, all countries absolutely have to have oil. They don't have to have U.S. dollars unless our military is demanding it. And so we are at a point where there are countries that are going, look, we're not playing this game after oil. You know, we're going to transmit, you know, transact act business using gold, using some tangible commodity. And the brick stations, and I don't know how powerful they are, but, you know, Russia, China, India, those have huge populations. You know, we have 310 million people in the United States, but if the rest of the world is going with gold, uh, it's going the United States is going to have to go to the gold standard. We will have to. Otherwise, we lose the game and we become the third world country in the world. Yes, imagine how prosperous those countries are going to be if they go to the gold standard. And you're right. We, we would become a third world country. Our currency would be worth Nothing. Well, our currency is already worth, worth nothing. nothing. But the perception, <laughs> the perception right. is that uh, it is worth something, which is where value comes in. Value is based on perception. That's correct. And the only reason to have money is because you can give it to someone else for in goods exchange, and services. Nobody, nobody collects U.S. dollars because they're they like the green color. You know, because they're putting them on the wall to see the president. They are collecting U.S. dollars so they can buy a new car, send the kids to college to improve their standard of living. They're going to trade those U.S. dollars for the things they really want. Well, if you had a trunk full of Confederate dollars, your great grandpappy, you know, fought in the Civil War, you know, right next to Robert E. Lee, and you've got a trunk filled with Confederate dollars. What are you going to be able to buy? Nothing. Right. I mean, you, you can offer them as souvenirs. You can donate it to a museum. I mean, it's an interesting artifact. That Confederate money was worth something at one time in the past. But if no one will accept Confederate dollars for food, you've got a trunk of worthless paper. And that's exactly what you're going to have if you continue to invest in your IRA and you just keep all of these U.S. dollars floating around in various accounts. You know, today they send you a letter and they tell you that you've got a quarter million U.S. dollars floating around. Well, 
you know, when things get really dicey, they can send you another letter going, well, look, you have, uh, you know, a quarter million U.S. paper dollars, but they're not worth anything. You know, you can keep them in the bathroom and use them there, but, and most people are in denial that that's going to happen. Well, what are some of the practical steps our listeners can take to liberate themselves and think outside the box uh, when it comes to living their life without relying on the government system? Well, the good news is that the first changes that you make are going to be mental. You can control the way that you think. The bad news is that's usually the hardest part, you know, Stocking up on food is easy. Believing that you're going to need the food is the hard part. You know, if I go to the doctor and I say, Doctor, I'm I'm basically a couch potato, I'm overweight, you know, I have no energy, the girls won't look at me. I mean, what do I have to do to, to get myself in shape to, you know, really be a, you know, a player again? Well, the doctor's going to tell me that i got to give up junk food, got to start going to the gym, i got to exercise. You know, and, you know, I've got to take some, you know, supplements to get myself back into shape. I'm like, really? I had to go to the doctor to learn that I've got to give up junk food and, and exercise? Oh, everybody knows that. It's the problem of doing it. It's like, well, gosh, Doc, can't you give me, like, a magic pill that will turn me into Roger Ramjet or, you know, Maybe you know somebody looks like Superman. The girls will be running their fingers through my hair. No, there's no there's no secret uh, pill. There's no silver bullet. It's going to require work. It's going to require effort. That's why we don't have liberty. If liberty was easy, everybody would do it. And so you've got to change the way that you think. You got to start depending on your your own mind for your answers. You know when we're young. Mom and dad, you know, tell us what to do. And you go to school and the teachers tell you what to do. You get your driver's license, you've got to listen to the police officer, you get a job, and you got to do whatever your manager says, you know, get that report done by Friday, you got to go in and beg for a vacation. We are so conditioned to look for someone in authority to tell us what to do that most of us can't think for ourselves. You know, that's where you got to start. you got to start thinking for yourself. Um, and then I recommend that you stock up on food. I was in Dallas recently. We had an ice storm and went to the store, and the shelves were about half empty. Mm. You know, the good news is that once the ice melts, the shelves will be filled again. But, you know, people were coming in and stocking up on milk and bread and all the things they needed to survive the ice storm, you know, maybe a week. Well, what happens when you go to the store and the shelves are empty and nobody is putting new food on the shelves? If you don't have, you know, canned goods and, you know, rice and beans and things that, you know, have, you know, a fairly long shelf life, you don't have that stuff stored, then you're going to go hungry. And if the government says, we will give you a cheese sandwich if you put this RFID chip under your arm, it's going to be really difficult to resist an RFID chip when you're really, really hungry. You'll turn in your guns for a decent meal, and that will complete your slavery. So you need to stock up on food. I would 
personally convert as much of your wealth into silver and gold as possible, or or even commodities. You know, stock up on toilet paper. Everybody's going to want toilet paper. You'll probably be able to sell that in the future. Um, and then finally, you need to have guns and ammunition to protect the food and the silver that you've stocked up on. Because there have been psychological studies that indicate that your neighbor will be willing to steal from you after three days without food, and that they'd be willing to kill you after seven days without food. The mm. fabric of society is very fragile. Um, I mean, you just look at the way people treat each other. Most people don't know their neighbors anymore. Uh, you know, we've got more instances of road rage. You know, everybody is becoming frustrated. Look what Everybody happened during uh, Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, Black Thursday and Black Friday. Was that insane or what? I can't believe it. I, You know, if you asked me to draw a four-sided triangle, that would be impossible for me. I can't even imagine it in my mind. And I can't imagine people camping out. You know, they're going to be outside in the cold for two days because they want to buy a TV. Camping out and treating each other like animals. Oh, absolutely like animals. Oh, my Absolutely gosh. like animals. Un, I mean, just crazy over crap, over stuff. Yes. Insane. Ab- I mean, absolutely, it is insane. And that's going to be coast to coast, wall to wall. Imagine what would happen if you're hungry and you've got to feed your family. What you know? I think it would be Black Friday times ten. Yes, Insane. absolutely. And Insane. and again, you and I are talking about this. People who are listening go, "These people are crazy. <laughs> this is never going to happen." <laughs> this is the United States, the greatest country in the world. It could never happen here. Well, we used to say that something like the World Trade Center blowing up could never happen here. You know, we used to say that, you know, prices were, you know, never going to skyrocket. Well, it's happening here. It is happening. Absolutely. Michael, uh, please share with our listeners uh, your website uh, information and the uh, link, the web link to your eight-hour course that is online. Uh, I cannot recommend your course more. I think having it online is great, but it does not compare to experiencing you in person, live. Well, my website is constitutionpreservation.org. Constitutionpreservation.org. My uh, books, you can go to the website and read Chapter 2 of my first book, which is called Rights and Privileges. And then there's excerpts from my second book, Secret to Sovereignty, so you can decide whether or not you like it enough to purchase it. Secret to Sovereignty, I only accept silver. Uh, If you want a copy of that, you have to send me an ounce of silver, and I'll send you the book. Uh, The class is available under my media archive link. There are seven one-hour videos that you can watch. And most people will watch the video online and then call me and ask where they can take the class in person. Uh, next, or this coming Saturday, December 14th, I will be teaching my class in Lexington, Massachusetts, which is, oh, sounds familiar, Lexington and Concord, the shot heard around the world. 
I'll be teaching my class three blocks from the Minuteman statue. Fantastic. And it will be the day before Bill of Rights Day. So I'm excited about this class. I, I know that I'll have my students foaming at the mouth before the day is done. And uh, we'll have another batch of patriots who understand why the Federal Reserve is criminal. They'll understand the principles necessary to rebuild the United States the way all of us would like to imagine it. And we will also have all your links posted on livingwealthyradio.com along with a copy of this show. Michael, you take good care. Again, thank you so much for joining us again today. And um, I wish you well. Keep up the good work. Thank you, dear. Thank you. I'll, I'll come and visit as soon as I return to Austin. We, we've got that presidential suite ready for you. Excellent. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The info being presented does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation and does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax advisor or legal counsel or other professional, and you should not use the information in place of a personal consultation regarding your specific situation or needs prior to taking any action based on this information. We believe the info provided is real. Reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. Hey everybody, this is Tammy DeLue here with Living Wealthy Financial Group, and today we have one of our really special clients. All of our clients are special, but this lady is particularly so because she's a local businesswoman in the Austin area. She is the owner and the founder. Hey, everybody. This is Tammy DeLue here with Living Wealthy Financial Group, and today we have one of our really special clients. All of our clients are special, but this lady is particularly so because She's a local businesswoman in the Austin area. She is the owner and the founder.